0: Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at a awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about the extremely nebulous term, detachment. I'm also going to be trying not to bump the microphone with my burrito blanket. (laughs) It's another super cold day here in Michigan. Last night we had an ice storm, and so everything is very beautiful, covered in like a sheen of ice, but also it's very chilly in my audio booth. So I will be as still as possible talking to you from inside my burrito. (laughs) But if I bump the mic today, you're just going to have to forgive me because it is very hard not to move when there's like a centimeter between the puffy blanket and the microphone so here we go detachment what do I even mean by detachment there is the buddhist idea which I struggled with for a long time in fact I would say up until this week (laughs) actually and I will share an epiphany I had with you in this past week but before we start unveiling epiphanies I should clarify what I'm talking about when I say detachment you might have also heard it called non-attachment which is often described as the antidote for suffering. Because apparently, if the Buddhists are to be believed, the reason why humans suffer so much is because we get attached to things. That could be attached to people or to outcomes or to situations. And for a long time, when I heard that, I thought that it meant I was supposed to not care about anything. That not caring is what was meant by non-attachment. And that seemed like horrible news because I care about a lot of things. I don't know if you've listened to Who Killed My Mother, uh, the podcast, but in that, I think it's pretty clear that I have a lot of feelings, and I'm having them all the time. I am not, in fact, a robot, and so I feel deeply empathetic and compassionate towards most people, most things. And so receiving the instruction, well, don't care about it, and you won't suffer, was like, well, (laughs) to misery town I go, I guess. (laughs) Like, really, what was I supposed to do with that? And it didn't help that... I've never aspired to be a repressed, unfeeling person. In fact, I'm pretty anti-repression, just because I've seen how much it can mess a person up. Looking at you, dad. (laughs) I've talked on the podcast before about my narcissistic father and how he pretty much shuts down all emotions. And that leads to disconnecting from people, from really hurting the people you care about. And because I've been on the receiving end of that, I never wanted to be someone who didn't care about others or who didn't care about having an open loving connection even if you know they might hurt me or disappoint me. So this idea of non-attachment or detachment was really hard for me to grasp. But the good news is, eventually I figured out that non-attachment has nothing to do with caring about people or about things. In fact, there's another Buddhist word called bodhicitta, and bodhicitta is the tenderness toward all sentient beings. Pema Chodron has described it specifically as, quote, the soft spot, a place as vulnerable and tender as an open wound. And so that sounds pretty caring to me. (laughs) If you are thinking about someone or connecting with someone or something and you're feeling like you're as tender as an open wound, that's pretty connected. That sounds like attachment to me. And it really is encouraged that we actually try to connect to others so that this metaphorical heart, this tender heart, doesn't harden over time just because we experience disappointment or heartbreak and we have a lot of sayings in life about that too like don't let life harden you for example so if non-attachment detachment is not distancing ourselves from people or things or from the woe of the world then what are we distancing ourselves from what are we trying to detach from and the answer to that is a lot of things actually We're trying to detach from our thoughts and opinions about ourselves. We're trying to detach from our thoughts and opinions about other people. We're trying to detach from reactivity, doing things that make us feel safe or comforted even if they might be destructive or hurtful. Reactivity is also when we think or feel or experience something and our gut reaction might be to say something or do something or feel a certain way. It's basically, here's a trigger, and boom, there's the reaction. The more reactive you are, the quicker that response comes after the trigger. There's no space between the trigger and the boom, basically. And that would mean that you are a highly reactive person who might benefit from some detachment. I was definitely, shortly after I came out of my trauma, or as I was coming out of my trauma, I was very highly reactive. And part of that was conditioning from my environment, from the people that I had been subjected to for so long. Because there was just no time to sit and think about things. A lot of the reactivity came from keeping myself safe. If you're around crazy, unpredictable people for years and years, you learn to react quickly because it sometimes can be a matter of personal safety to do so. So I was very highly reactive when I first came out of trauma. And in some situations, I still do catch myself having these knee-jerk reactions to certain triggers. But over time, fortunately, I have been able to build more space between trigger and reactivity. And that's a form of detachment as well. That's another expression of it. So we're trying to detach from other things too, like our fear of the future or regret about our past. We can try to detach from assuming the worst about a situation, even though that might be our conditioning from our background. We can detach from the habits that are destructive to our well-being, like blaming or complaining, negativity that keeps us in these spirals, or in these habitual patterns. And all of these are really just a few of the two million bajillion ways in which we try to escape the discomfort of living in the present moment anyway. So we try to detach from expectations, and rather just let things be whatever they are, naturally, whether or not we're happy with where they might be at that moment. So all non-attachment is, is having this buffer, this space between you and your reactivity, or you and a strong emotion. That's it. It will never be that you don't care. Care about things. Caring is really important. We need people to care on this planet. We just don't want, whenever we can help ourselves, to let our emotions control our thoughts or control our actions. We don't need to be so obsessed with how something is going to turn out that we leave no space for spontaneity or magic in our lives. If we're really attached to outcomes or our thoughts and opinions about ourselves, when something happens, we usually form an immediate opinion about what we think is going to happen next. Take the example of a month where I don't make good book sales, for example. So I see the sales declining and my brain goes, oh my gosh, that's it, that's the end of your writing career. We are now heading straight to the toilet and everything's going to end right now. And it triggers this emotional avalanche in my mind because I think I know what's going to happen, because I'm attached to my opinion of a situation, because I'm expecting a certain outcome. And because of that, because I'm reactive to that situation, I'm now thinking or acting or believing or doing things from that place, even though that wasn't the case at all. I've had plenty of months where book sales were down, and then the next month I did really well, and it was as if there was no setback at all. It's just a natural fluctuation. And that's true in book sales as in life. The circumstances and situations of our lives are always fluctuating. They're always in flux. And so you can't white knuckle your way through it longing for or afraid of certain outcomes because that's the attachment that will get you all caught up in the thoughts and the feelings and emotions and that's what will make you suffer as opposed to having a step back, a bit of separation where you can just sort of watch everything unfold and maintain your position of power while you do it. It's not like I stopped caring about writing or my writing business just because I had, you know, a bad month of book sales. But I also don't have to have a whole emotional spiral if that's how things go. I can just observe it and think about in a non-reactive way. (laughs) So, okay, well, this may mean what I think it means or it might not mean what I think it means. And what will my course of action be in either case? And just sort of a calm assessment and planning without letting... Myself be carried away or swept up in it. And that's kind of like the core aspect of non-attachment is this Refraining from getting swept away. It's being so Intensely attached to those aspects that these minor fluctuations will be enough to knock you off of balance And that leads me to the epiphany that I had this week Which is that meditation is what allows us to practice this distancing or at least it's one way particularly the observing or watching meditation practice in which we take a step back and we observe our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, and we see them at a distance. So for example, maybe in a meditation, I will be sitting there, I'll be looking at my thoughts, and I might have a dialogue that goes something along the lines of, ah, there I am obsessing about what to do when I Finish this meditation. I'm already planning out my whole day. Oh, look at me deciding what I'm going to have for lunch, what I'm having for dinner, and sort of just viewing my mind as this third person, or more accurately, probably a chipmunk (laughs) running around, scurrying around, trying to do all the things it wants to do. And as I do this, as I play the role of observer rather than participant, I'm building space between me, that me being in air quotes, and the quarry who's doing all the thinking. That's detachment. That's me practicing detachment because I'm able to see my thoughts and my feelings instead of getting swept up in them, instead of being a participant, instead of reacting. I can just see them for what they are. I don't have to feed them or get lost in them. And I also don't have to repress them. And I don't have to say that my thoughts are bad or to criticize myself. How dare you get bored while you're meditating? (laughs) That's not detachment either. Detachment is more along the lines of, well, look at me, I'm pretty bored. That's why I'm doing all this stuff with my mind. Well, okay, well, I see it, I'm noticing it, and that's all I have to do. That's me practicing detachment. Because at its core, all non-attachment is, is having enough space around our beings that things can't sweep us away more easily. It's a nice buffer between me and the ever-shifting energies of the world. I can stand there looking nice and steady in the eye of the hurricane, so to speak, if you prefer that metaphor, as opposed to being swept up in the swirly wind part with the cows and the smashed up houses, and I don't know what's all in this hurricane, I don't want to get carried away, (laughs) detachment pun there, but anyway, my suggestion is using detachment or non-attachment to stay in the eye of the hurricane, and sort of observing the chaos going around you, rather than being part of the chaos, so that's my advice. Stay detached, but with your little tender bodhicitta heart ablazing, because we need loving, caring people in the world. Don't let this confusion around the term non attachment make you think you're not supposed to be a participant in your life, that you're not supposed to love people, that you're not supposed to care about things or want things. All of that is possible. Just also develop this habit of looking at your life as an observer so that you can buffer yourself a little bit and provide yourself a little bit of distance so you don't get bowled over by any strong situation or strong emotion or difficult circumstance. Okay, dear human, this is all I have for you today. This is all the human burrito blanket (laughs) from Michigan has to share. For this episode. But as always, it's my sincerest wish that you found this episode helpful. And I'd like to remind you that I've opened up the show to questions. So if you have a specific question or situation you want me to talk about or to offer my thoughts or experience on, you can always email me at the address in the show notes of this episode. I would love to hear from you, so don't be shy. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well Cared For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For-Human was written and produced by me, Cory Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.